Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 43, following along with I Will Turn Their Mourning Into Joy, Jeremiah chapters 30 to 33 and 36, and then Lamentations chapter uh, 1 and 3. And I'll be honest, the reading for me was a little bit tougher this week. It was just tougher for me to get into. Um, I don't I don't really know why, it just it was, maybe it's because I just am not as familiar uh, with the later chapters of Jeremiah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I know it's the same time period, obviously. It's the fulfillment of the revelation that Lehi received, um, of course, as well as Jeremiah. Jeremiah also received the revelation that Jerusalem would be conquered and destroyed. Um, so I know Book of Mormon time, right? This is the fulfillment of prophecy for both uh, Old Testament and the Book of Mormon. So I know that time period, but um, just not as familiar. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, it's a little bit more glo- gloomy of the the revelation. So this, I don't know what it was. But yeah, the reading was a little bit tougher for me this week. Um, so I won't have as much to share. But as always, I'm still going to have something to share. So into the introduction. When the Lord first called Jeremiah to be a prophet, he told him that his mission would be to root out and to pull down. And in Jerusalem, there was plenty of wickedness to root out and pull down. But this was only part of Jeremiah's mission. He was also called to build and to plant. What could be built or planted in the desolate ruins left by Israel's rebellion? Similarly, when sin or adversity have left our lives in ruins, how can we rebuild and plant again? The answer lies in the branch of righteousness, the promised Messiah. The Messiah brings a new covenant, one that requires more than a superficial commitment or the outward appearance of devotion. His law must be in our inward parts, written in our hearts. That is what it really means for the Lord to be our God and for us to be his people. It's a lifelong process, and we, and we will still make mistakes and have cause to mourn from time to time. But when we do, we have this promise from the Lord. I will turn their mourning into joy. Um, I see two things there that, I, that stand out to me that uh, I just feel like sharing. This is, this is just according to my perspective, something that I've seen, and the reason I've seen it is because I've seen it in my own life. Um. I see Satan making two particular attacks on this point, and I have fallen prey to both attacks. One is this feeling that uh, we'll take the line, um, you know, it says, a new covenant, one that requires more than a superficial commitment or the outward appearance of devotion. Um, I have felt at times a frustration where I see other members of the church uh, doing all the right things, but not feeling the right way about it, right? Um, going through the motions, uh, but 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 not actually connecting to the spiritual aspect or the kind of the point, the heart of the matter. And I've been frustrated and judgy. I've been extremely judgmental about it. And then the answer that I've come up with is, uh, well, I'm going to, I mean, for lack of a better, like, way of explaining it, been too cool for school, where I'm like, no, I'm I'm feeling what it is, but I'm not going to fall 
you know, trap to playing the part. I'm not going to look all buttoned up and clean. Um, for instance, this is, this is a silly one. Uh, I will not button the top button <laughs> for my Sunday shirts. Um, the real reason has nothing to do with what I'm actually referring to, but it could in a way, I guess it helps illustrate it in a more, I don't know, easy approach, if you will. Um, I, I don't button up the top button of my Sunday shirt because I just hate collars. I feel like I'm being choked out. Uh, I can't breathe. If I start to sweat in any way, I get really grumpy and frustrated. Um, and so I just don't button the top button, but that could appear like I uh, am rebelling or, you know, I'm not performing the part, playing the part right at church. Uh, no one has ever said anything to me, and I wouldn't mind if someone did. I, I really wouldn't care. But uh, that's, that's, again, not a great example of what I'm trying to illustrate here, but it kind of paints the picture of uh, it's in those things. For instance, this is an actual example in prayer when it's uh, prayers during church. Um, I'm not always the most reverent as far as like folding my arms, closing my eyes and bowing my head. Uh, not because I'm not fully wanting to participate. I am. I'm listening very intently and um, in my own mind, reciting the words that the, uh, the speaker is saying so that I'm focused and, and whatnot. But <clears throat> How often have we played the part, so to speak, of bowing our head, folding our arms, but we're not even listening to to the prayer. We're not even in it and just kind of thinking about something else or waiting until we hear the amen and then we'll say, oh yeah, amen. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've fallen prey to that a lot. And so some, my response has been, well, then I won't, I won't overly act or anything, but I will, my heart will be there. I think that's wrong. Um, through my own lived experience, I believe that's wrong. And it's something that I'm working on, trying to be better at. The reason I feel like it's wrong is because if my outward appearance doesn't match my inner appearance, and and just to be completely transparent about it, the reason I've done it is because I don't care about being judged or I don't care about what other people think of me. Um, I'm trying to not essentially not be a hypocrite. I don't know. It's my own way of going about it. Like when I say it out loud, I'm like, that sounds so silly. It sounds so like superfluous to, to think like that or to go like that, which is why I th say, I think it's wrong. Um, but I was, I was, uh, particularly like this on my mission. Uh, it's the mission is a place where you are, especially when you're with other missionaries, you were thrown into <laughs> this, this, uh, two year, 18 month period where, you are to to act a certain way and to be a certain way and not it's supposed to be that it connects your inner heart right you're supposed to actually connect and and um, become a disciple so I get I have I am not trying to make it sound negative at all um, about missions or, or what it is the, the reality is you are thrown into essentially this this group this peer group of people who are all doing the same thing um, and to stand out, often you need to be play the part better than everyone else does, uh, so to speak. I mean, when you're 19, 18, 20, that age, I mean, it's still where you are just naturally comparing yourself to other people. It's like when we're at our very worst as far as comes to the way that we view ourselves compared to our peers. And so it was on the mission that I looked around. And I was like, 
half of these people are faking it. They're not even really feeling the spirit. They're, they'll cry when bearing their testimony, but I feel nothing from them or, or their actions don't match what they're doing, you know, at zone conference or during testimony meeting. And that really frustrated me. I, I was like, you know, we're supposed to really be feeling it. We're set apart. We're called missionaries. And so my response was to become, uh, I don't know, like I said, too cool for school. I don't know exactly how to define it. I wasn't rebelling or anything, but I certainly wasn't looking the 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 part. And uh, my mission president actually talked to me about that. And I'm glad he did because he helped point it out. And although has not necessarily corrected the problem entirely, at least he made me aware of it so that I could, couldn't be uh, ignorant to my actions. Uh, but helped me see that I was coming off more rebellious than I was um, you know, trying to be the inwardly converted disciple that I was trying to become. So I share that because that's one warning I give, which is, yes, it does matter. Our inward appearance matters, and it should be written in our inward parts. However, I have learned, and I'm continuing to learn, so this is why I give the warning to anyone who needs it. Our outward appearance will match our inward devotion. Often it's easier to change our outward appearance first um, because you don't actually need to feel anything. You can just be play the part that you feel like you're supposed to play or whatever. So it's often easier to go through the motions, you know, fold your arms, bow your head during prayers, um, sit with good posture, button up the top button on your Sunday shirt or or wear the full-length dress, or or whatever it is, whatever it is um, for you that you feel. Uh, But it never gets written on your inward heart, so you're, you know, essentially not actually living the gospel. Uh, But I can also say that Satan will tempt you to, as he has done for me, to be frustrated about the hypocrisy that, that is there, or is able to be there, Right, almost looking at it like the Pharisees of, ah, uh, they played the part, but they didn't. Act, they weren't actually converted at all. Um, but then the, I think the natural temptation is, well, then I won't dress the part, and I won't look how I'm supposed to look. I'm gonna rebel, and I'm gonna look. I'll go to church, but I'll have seventeen piercings in my ear. Or I'll have tattoo sleeves, but I'm still going because it's written in my heart. Um, and again, I'm, I'm only using those because those are easy examples of, of things. My point being, beware of both temptations um, because they're both out there. And I think I've, I've been seeing it more and more. It's actually how I've noticed it within myself as I've seen more or talked to more saints who they're like, yeah, I purposely go to church. Um, not looking the part or not appearing the part just because I'm trying to show that I am still converted even if I don't look it. And that's how I've seen it myself. I'm like, you know what? My outward uh, expression of, of worship should be matching my inward expression. I don't need to be overly superfluous about how I'm expressing. I don't need to every time it's time to say the prayer, make a big show of folding my arms and bowing my head and, and keeping my eyes closed the entire time. Like, it's not about those outward shows for others, but uh, there is a reverence that is involved in true worship. And I'm, I'm just sharing the warning because like I said, I have fallen prey to it and I have hurt my own spiritual growth because of it. So if nothing else from this lesson, 
that's what I'd like to share is um, both outward and inward should match. I believe the, the inward is more important, but ultimately I'd be lying if I said both aren't, aren't very important before the Lord. Every disciple that I have seen, both the inward and outward match. So um, if you're like me, then work on the outward appearance matching. And if you're not like me, but have recognized maybe sometimes you're really good at the outward appearance and not so good into the inward, then work on the inward. But either way, there's something for all of us to work on. I guess that's always the message from these. So from this lesson, uh, two sections. One was in the second section. It says, they, will, they shall be my people and I will be their God. And there's uh, this question that it asks at the end. It says, what does it mean to have his law written in your heart? And we're talking about that. I just really like that question. That's it. The two scriptures, it's chapter 31, verse 34. It says, and they shall teach no more. Every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And I love this because we will all know God when he comes again. Um, he, he promises that. But I want to promise you something I believe really strongly is that you can know God right now. Um, you don't need to wait until second coming to, to know him or to get to know him. Um, you can get to know him and his character, and have a relationship. You can have a friendship, even, not just a discipleship. You can be friends with the Lord right now. But it's going to involve the same things that would involve you being friends with the people you're friends with now. Time, uh, quality time spent. It'll require sacrifice and um, care, empathy, and learning. You know, you're friends with your friends because you've learned them. You've gotten to know them. You know what they like, what they don't like. You know why they act the way they are. You you can even develop patterns. You know how they're going to react to certain things or, or whatnot. And we can have that same relationship with the Lord. Um, and the big one, I shared this when I was a youth, and I still believe this to this day, is that you're friends with your friends because of the time you spend with them in their home, Right? Um, that's that's how I know I've reached that level of friendship with coworkers, even as have I invited them to my home or not. Uh, have they have we broken bread in my home or have I broken bread in their home, so to speak? And because um, it's easy to go out and do activities, but having someone in your home that's a different level of relationship. The Lord has invited us to His home. How much time are we spending at His home? He has this open invite. Can go anytime. He has some rules and regulations, and we have to um, have a certain level of belief and testimony to enter into his home, and yet the inv invitation is open. And uh, how often are we spending time visiting his home? And then likewise, how often are we inviting him into our home? And so you can have that relationship now. You don't need to wait. But the promise is there that we will know him when he comes. And then in Jeremiah 32, verses, chapter 32, verse 42, For thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought out, brought all this evil, great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And I like this verse just because I, I spend time having anxiety about all the kind of negative promises that are going to come with the second coming, some of the signs and warnings and, and all of that, but forgetting the happy destiny promised for those who obey his, and keep his commandments. And so if you ever have anxiety over so it's the negative promises that are coming. Uh, just also keep in mind that there are, you know, 
positive promises that far outweigh the negatives of, of what's to come and that the destiny of the righteous is, I mean, we can't even fathom it right now. And those are the, those are the two uh, verses that I really liked. And then in Lamentations, uh, or rather section four, it says, the Lord can relieve the sorrow we experience because of sin. In the book of Lamentations, it talks about how it's, you know, a book of poems. And then why would that be included? Um, one, I think it's important to to recognize the different writings and the writing styles of the ancients. Um, President President Monson loved sharing poems. I feel like he shared a poem every time he spoke. And uh, p poetry, again, is one of those things that speaks to our hearts, can kind of awaken our minds to things. And for me, it was no different with Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 to 27. It says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should be both should both hope and quietly wait for salvation for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. I just really like those three verses. Um, it's not necessarily a lesson that stuck out, but if you went through chapter three, you know that it was like kind of really long as far as verse length went, you know, it was like 60 something verses. And yet it was very short lines, almost these quick poet poetic lines. I just really love these three. I'll read them one more time. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So I thought that was both poetic and beautiful. It spoke to my soul and made me, you know, ties in what we've already discussed, becoming friends with the Lord, waiting for him, having a hope, uh, and also going through trials. It's a good thing. It is a good thing to go through trials, uh, even though we hate it. And it's often... We never, we're always going through the trials that we don't want to be going through. It's like, oh, I could go through this trial, fine. Um, and to me, that just, again, shows me how much the Lord knows me, that I'm always going through the very trials that I'm like, I could go through anything else. It's this one I don't want to go through. There's a reason for that. That's not by chance. And so know that the Lord knows you, and because he knows you so well, he knows the trials that you need at this time, and it's always going to be the very thing you don't want to go through. Because it's the thing you don't want to go through, recognize there is something to be learned. And although it's like, there's nothing to be learned from this, this is miserable and I hate it, honestly, chances are the thing you need to learn then is patience, because that's the thing I am constantly learning is patience, and I hate it. It's the worst. So I'm with you. I Believe me, I get it. Um, not that this is part of this lesson, but... Just something that's been on my mind. So yesterday, we, uh, um, again, I'm, I'm the Sunday school president, and I work with my presidency, and we held a, uh, a teacher council, our first teacher council meeting, where, you know, you bring in um, the Sunday school teachers and for both the youth and adult classes, and you're supposed to do it with everyone at various times, but, uh, you know, primary and Young Men's, Young Women's, Elders Quorum, Relief Society. But you teach the teachers or, or help counsel them and help them be better, go through experiences, things like that. And we held our very first one yesterday. Uh, again, we're a re we're a relatively new presidency, only been in for two or three months now. And uh, I've never, not only have I, I think I've been part of one teacher council meeting, like back when I was a freshman in college, was the one and only one. Well, that's not true. I think I've been in 
one other one in this board um, before. But um, just don't have a lot of familiarity with them. But as we held it last night and we, we went through and we discussed teaching in the Lord's way, a couple things stand out to me that I wanted to share that I just feel like have not been emphasized enough. I mean, they have. They actually absolutely have. And yet some, somehow it just is really tough to get this behavior across through the church. And, and I'm saying that being, as a member, feeling like it's tough for me to, to get where the, our prophet is telling us to go. Come follow me was given, in my opinion. This is my opinion. And this is just from my, again, from my perspective. I know it's, it's obvious, but I have to say that. Um, from my perspective, come follow me was given because the way that we were doing things prior to come follow me was a standardized uh, lesson plan. You could expect it every single year. It was going to be the same manual. And it was a, you know, very, it was supposed to be a discussion, but very rarely was it a discussion. And you would go through and you were trying to learn the scriptures. Uh, it was it was a motivation to get you to actually read them and then study them on your own and then go through the lesson. And anyone who hadn't read, hadn't done it, would be able to all be on the same page after a Sunday school lesson. That's how I saw it. Whether that's true or not, that is how I, I saw it. That's how a lot of people, I think, saw it. Well, Sunday school was a place where you sat down and just you were taught. Someone lectured essentially for an hour, and, th and then you, you got your lesson. Come Follow Me was to come out because that type of teaching was not working. And obviously has never worked. Um, and I think we're seeing this across the board we, just in general conference, right? The strength of youth has been updated. And a lot of those uh, bullet point rules have been, they're gone away with. And now it's just general guidelines to help you and to guide you. But ultimately it says the responsibility is on you as the youth or you as the parent to help teach your youth. Um, the lesson for all of us is that, and it's always been this way. That's the thing. It's always been this way, but I think at this point, it's really tough to justify it any other way. You are personally responsible for your own conversion. It is not the job of the bishop or the Sunday school teacher or the elders quorum president or the Relief Society president or your ministering brother or your ministering sister. It is not the job of the prophet to help you. Well, not let me take that word back. It is not their job to convert you. It is their job to help you, but it's not their job to convert you, to do the work for you, to build your relationship with Christ. That is your personal duty, as your personal responsibility. And I think the lesson that, you know, we as people, this is natural. It's natural for society. I mean, it's the reason governments often become the way they are, is that the people just constantly turn to the government to solve their problems is because we have a natural desire to remove the responsibility from our shoulders and to place it on someone else's shoulders. And it is the natural desire or the natural role for any leader or anyone with any like form of authority to take that responsibility and then run with it, dictate it, and, uh, and what have you. And that is not the Lord's way. And it is not how uh, it, is, it is to work in God's kingdom. It is upon each of us individually to work out our own salvation with the Lord, to develop that relationship. And uh, that was just made super clear to me 
last night as we sat in, in council together as teachers and we all talked about it. To me, it is so clear that this is God's plan. It has always been his plan. Um, it has never not been his plan. And the church is to support your home and you as you help you and your family work out your salvation, to become converted, to write the Lord within your inward heart, um, all of those things. And it's no one else's responsibility. So if you have given responsibility away or sought to, the time it is time to wake up and take back your responsibility. Um, that is how you will be judged as you leave this life, is how did you take the responsibility? And you can't blame anyone else. So if you are not studying, come follow me on your own. Nothing bad is going to happen to you that I know of. No one's going to, you know, there's not a quiz, there's not a test, there's not a grade here, there's not a, you know, money's not being taken away, there's no consequences that I know of, but you are missing out on valuable blessings. You are missing out on an opportunity to become converted, and not only that, to help those and to support those in your ward, in your families, uh, in your communities, to come closer unto the Lord and to follow Him. So I invite you, if you are not, to take up that personal responsibility and uh, work out your own conversion. <coughs> Excuse me with that cough. That's how we're going to end. I'm going to ask you this question then. How are you building your relationship with God right now? How are you getting to know Him? And what are you doing this week to become better friends with the Lord? Thank you for joining my family room discussion. Until we meet again, have a blessed week.